Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the life and times of Daniel. Daniel was a faithful man who had confidence in the words of the prophets who had gone before him. He was looking at the prophecies of Jeremiah with the benefit of hindsight and it invoked in him a passionate response. Let's join Dr. Corbett this week for Daniel's repentance. He lost his parents. He lost his home. He lost his friends. He lost whatever wealth he had and he was taken as a prisoner into a foreign country. How would you feel toward God if that had happened to you? Let me ask maybe a better question. How would most people have felt if that had happened to them? How would they have felt about God? Well, we know how most people would probably feel about God when everything goes wrong. Because we see it all the time. We see people with a clenched fist being waved at God in anger. And I actually think if there's any candidate for feeling angry toward God, it's probably Daniel. And yet Daniel is not angry toward God. We observe that Daniel, in fact, becomes a worshipper of God. Someone who became fully devoted to God. Someone who was able to stand his ground and serve God with all his heart. This is amazing. And now it's one thing to start off like that. And now we come 69 years down the track and Daniel's been faithful. A lot has happened and Daniel has been faithful. And as a result, we're now at this point where Daniel is an aged Man, you do the maths. 15 plus 69, he's in his 80s. And we pick it up in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent, a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. First thing I want you to see in these two verses, it's going to stand out is that the writings of the prophet Jeremiah, whom we're looking at, this is a subset of Jeremiah. If we want to understand Jeremiah, it's helpful to understand Daniel. By the way, if you want to understand the book of Revelation and you're not familiar with Jeremiah, you'll never get Revelation. If you want to understand the words of Jesus about the future and you don't understand Daniel, you won't get it. Because Jesus quotes Daniel just about more than most other prophets. So here we have Daniel, 69 years into his captivity, and he is referring to the book of the prophet Jeremiah. This means that the writings of the prophet Jeremiah were recognized very quickly as divinely inspired. They were of God. Now that... That in itself is quite remarkable. Here's just a by the way. I've heard people say that the New Testament 
documents, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, were probably written in the second, maybe even the third centuries. And they have some very flimsy reasons for this. But here's, here's something that's worth knowing, because Daniel's actually going to refer to it in this chapter. All of the New Testament documents were known to be in existence by 65 AD. 65 AD. That's just 35 years. 35 years after the crucifixion of Christ. We, the Christian community, recently found a fragment of the Gospel of Mark. This, this was found about two years ago on a rubbish dump in Egypt. A, gospel of the, a fragment of the Gospel of Mark that dates back to 80 AD. 80 AD. It's a copy. And it, come, it was written in 80 AD. And the reason they know that is because on the back of it, there's other notes about what was happening in that day. And they can, they can track it back. In other words, the Gospel of Mark was in circulation in 80 AD. This is the point. If you were around the events of Christ in 30 AD and it's 80 AD, chances are there's still people who are alive who could have said, no, that's not what happened. But we have none of that. And it actually is one of the, one of the things that gives us confidence that the New Testament actually is divinely inspired and was recognized and received as such very, very early on. What was Jeremiah saying that Daniel was now reading? We've been through these sections in Jeremiah, and this is, what, this is probably what Daniel was reading. There's a number of places where Jeremiah said this, and this was written down, and now we have, we, we have this evidence that Daniel is in Babylon, and he's got a copy of all of the prophecies of the prophet Jeremiah. And he's pouring through them. He's, he's reading through them. And he comes across this one. He was probably familiar with it. But the way he writes here is he was reminded of it. It says this in Jeremiah 25 verse 12. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So we have Daniel reading these portions in Jeremiah. And Daniel's going, after 70 years, our captivity will be over. It's 69 years now. He's already seen the first part of this prophecy fulfilled. <clears throat> Toward the end of that 70-year period, I'll punish the king of Babylon. Well, he's already done that. King Nebuchadnezzar has been removed. So the king has been removed. The Babylonian Empire has come to an end, just as Jeremiah said it would happen. Now, this is, this is pretty intriguing. We have someone saying, I am speaking on behalf of God. That is written down. It's in circulation. And for these 69 years, everyone's known about it. And now we have near the time that Jeremiah said this would happen, one year out, bang, things have started to happen. And now Daniel's looking at this going, what else did Jeremiah say? This is what else Jeremiah said. Now, this is one of the reasons why I have such incredible confidence that what you have on your lap or in your hand is the divinely inspired word of God. 
Jeremiah had said this would happen. This is when it will happen. And it did. Daniel's now reading the prophecies of Jeremiah, but he's also reading from the benefit of hindsight. So Jeremiah had, we know, Jeremiah had said to his people, Israel, if you don't repent, then Babylon's going to come in and destroy the city. And this is some of the language that Jeremiah uses. The Lord will visit. The Lord will come. And how did the Lord come? That expression, by the way, the Lord will come, is an expression of judgment. God will come and he will judge. And we see this in Isaiah 19 verse 1 where Isaiah the prophet used the same language. And he said, woe unto you Egypt. The Lord will come to you riding a cloud like a chariot. So just be mindful of this language. God coming on the clouds is an Old Testament expression which means... You have disobeyed God. God is going to come and he is going to bring judgment. Just remember that, would you please? And we find this expression also in Daniel chapter 7 about verse 13 where it says, Then I saw one like the Son of Man coming up to the Ancient of Days on the clouds of heaven. I don't think it gets cloudy in heaven. It's language that says God's about to judge. Just by the way, so when Jesus says in Matthew 24, then you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. I know people think that's Jesus saying, this is how I'm going to return. And so there are some people that take weather reports daily from Jerusalem, wondering, is it a cloudy day today? Because if it is, Jesus could come back. And I think they've completely missed it, missed what Jesus was saying. So here's Daniel with the benefit of hindsight saying, I've seen what Jeremiah said fulfilled within weeks, months and years of his own life and now I'm living in the fulfilment of everything else he had to say. Here it is, it's happening. Now I want you to notice this. Daniel's read maybe a couple of verses. He's read... Probably that one, Jeremiah 25, maybe Jeremiah 29. I want you to notice the effect, the effect on Daniel. Notice how he responds to the word of God. And let it be a challenge. And here's my aim. Let me sort of cut to the conclusion and we'll just kind of fill in the the in-between bits as we go. The conclusion is this. I want to inspire you to, to look at your word every day. And to look at it differently every day and to look at it and not just go, oh, yeah, a couple, here's a good verse. Yep, that'll do. Right, I'm done. But to look at it and to look at it prayerfully and to look at it with a view to God, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? God, how do you want me to respond to this? How am I supposed to live a life that reflects I'm fully devoted to you? Because of what I've just read here. All right, follow me here. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. We're getting intense now. Here's Daniel being quite intense. Verse 4. 
I pray to the Lord my God and make confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 5. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, And to all Israel, those who, I'm just going to pause there halfway through the verse. Daniel says, we have been shamed. Can I just point out something that is going to sound utterly foreign? I may as well be talking Martian to most of us. There is a big difference between guilt and shame. And both are meant for your good. Now, we live in a culture that is becoming, if it isn't already, and this is why I'm saying right now, you probably are listening to me going, what, what, what are you, what are you on about? Because I think we are either heading toward or we are already in a culture that is becoming shameless. No shame. And, and we hear people say, stop judging me. And really what they're saying is, I'm beginning to feel a bit of shame from you. When you feel shame, there is something in you that says, I have let someone else down. Now, I know this is going to be like, oh, I didn't think we're supposed to be judgmental. It's not being judgmental. It's saying, hey, listen, these are the standards. You haven't lived up to them. Not because you didn't know them. Not because you didn't have a choice. But because you intentionally and deliberately chose not to. And that's what... Daniel's saying here, we have, what is it? You have put us to open shame. In other words, we have let you down and we now feel your shame. And this is what Daniel's saying his people have been subjected to. Finishing off the verse, and near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery, there's that word treason, treachery that they have committed against you we've committed treason we've been treacherous and now we feel shame hmm all israel has transgressed your law and turned aside refusing to obey your voice and the curse and oath that are written in the law of moses the servant of god have been poured out upon us just look we could read that and gloss over it i don't want to just want to take a moment to have help you think about this one daniel's reading jeremiah he reads just a few verses perhaps maybe a few chapters maybe from chapter 25 through to chapter 29 and and he he reads in there that jeremiah has said this captivity will last 70 years they're in the 69th year nebuchadnezzar's already been deposed babylon's been overturned he's going my goodness everything everything jeremiah said would happen toward the end of the seven years is now happening There's just a couple more things to happen. Wow. And as he's reading this, 
he begins to say things like this. This is like what was written in the law of Moses. Does anyone know what he's referring to? I'm going, to sh- I'm going to read it in a moment. But my point is this. This Daniel was familiar with the word of God. He was familiar with the word of God. There's some amazing studies that have come out about Christians who read their Bible every day and attend church at least once a week. If you read your Bible and pray, and uh, if you read your Bible every day, pray, attend church at least once a week, your outcomes for mental health are dramatically, I don't mean slightly, dramatically improved. You improve your chances of experience peace, a sense of contentment and fulfillment. Your tension goes down. It's all these amazing effects that comes from just reading the Bible every day. As I was on my way to church this morning to, to cook for the home group leaders, I was listening to WFM and I heard, the, heard someone on WFM saying, that they were a Christian they used to go to church and then it just kind of got a bit cold for them. They stopped going to church every Sunday, started going every other Sunday, then a Sunday here and a Sunday there. And, and they said this, they stopped reading their Bible every day and then one day he took his Bible. This was on way of him this morning. took his Bible, he took it off the thing and he had to go like this. Mm, dust. And he said that's when it hit him. He'd been lulled into lukewarmness and jesus had something pretty scary to say in revelation 320 about lukewarmness and it was then that he said god open his bowl god i'm sorry i will never let that happen again and he made a fresh commitment to god that he would read the bible every day and make sure that he was in church it makes a huge difference and he says this coincidentally at that time when he found that he was in lukewarmness he began to get anxiety attacks this is what he said and it was when he was hospitalized for his anxiety attacks that he once again started to read the bible and he found the peace of god flooded his soul here we have daniel who has gone through i think it's fair to say hell and yet through all of this he's become more familiar with god's word he's now very familiar with the law of moses he's read the law of moses this may be what he has read in in this section it says um the servant of god have been poured out upon us because we've sinned against him he may have been reading from leviticus 26 verse 14 but if you will not listen to me this is god speaking to israel just as he was about to bring them into their land and do all these commandments if you spurn my statutes if your soul abhors which means hates my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant then i will do this to you i will visit you with panic with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it i will set my face against you you shall be struck down before your enemies those who hate you shall rule over you you shall flee when no one pursues you there's a word for that and if in spite of this you will not listen to me then i will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins and i will break the pride of your power i will make your heavens like iron the earth beneath like bronze very hard very hard to be a farmer when that's what it's like 
and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase. The trees of the land will not yield their fruit. Then if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. And it goes on, it says, a nation from outside you shall come in and take you away. And that's exactly what happened. And we read this and go, wow, that sounds like a harsh God. No, no, don't, don't get this wrong. This is God saying, I'm blessing you, but if you, if you shake your fist at me, if you ignore me, I just simply remove my blessing. That's you getting everything you would get without me protecting you. I, I want God's protection on my life. I want God's blessing on my life. I want that. And Daniel is saying right now, everything that's gone wrong, everything that's gone bad, we've brought it on ourselves. But notice this, he, he wasn't like he was just a professor of history. He wasn't just reading the words and cold. Daniel was reading this and he was struck. He was on his knees, hands lifted to God. Oh God, I'm sorry. On behalf of our people, I'm sorry. Now the thing that stands out to me, of all the people who are guilty of sin, Daniel's not one of them. Of all the people that are guilty of the idolatry, the ignorance and the immorality, it was never Daniel. But can you hear the humility? We have sinned. We have done this to you, O God. And now I come to you on behalf of all Israel and I beg for our forgiveness. That takes humility. What a man. You see, Daniel was not just a man of the word of God, but he was a man full of the spirit of God. Nebuchadnezzar told us that twice. Daniel was someone who knew the word of God and was full of the spirit of God. We're going to jump down to verse 21. While I was speaking in prayer, the man, that is the angel, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. And this is where we haven't got the time to go into it now, but I want to just briefly introduce what Daniel introduces, and it's only a few verses. It's, it's only about four verses or so, and it's from verse uh, 24. We're introduced to this very, very controversial topic called the 70 weeks of Daniel. And it's controversial because the 70 weeks are identified as 69 weeks plus another week. Now, why is that the language? And not only that, it says in the middle of that week, something happens and we're not even told about that. So this is a strange, a strange passage of scripture in some respects. But I want to very quickly introduce it to you and show you why I think this again gives us great confidence that this Bible is not written by men. It's amazingly written and inspired by God. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people in the holy city to finish transgression, to put an end uh, to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal vision and profit and to anoint the most holy place. Between Daniel and Jesus, there's not going to be a whole lot of prophetic utterance. Seal the vision. All right. From the decree that is given to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, it shall be 70 weeks. After 69 weeks, Messiah shall come and he shall be cut off in the middle of his week. Now, here's the thing. 
Each of these weeks represents seven years. If you calculate when the decree to rebuild the wall was given, which is around 480 something or other, and you times 69 times 7, you come to about 30 AD. And Messiah comes. 30 AD. And we know, because we can count the number of Passovers that Jesus celebrated, that Jesus ministered three and a half years. A week, seven years, Messiah will be cut off in the middle of the week. Three and a half years. Here's Daniel being shown from the moment the decree is given to rebuild the wall, which is the book of Nehemiah. Calculate the number of years. It'll be about 27 AD. Messiah shall appear. He shall minister three and a half years. He shall be cut off. The city, it will be decreed, it says, and then it is decreed desolation for the city. And here's the thing. Three and a half years after Jesus died, Jerusalem turned on Christians and began killing them. And the first one was Stephen. That marked the end of the 70 years. And it says because they rejected Christ, they rejected the gospel, desolation was determined for the city. And Jesus said this on the Mount of Olives, looking out over Jerusalem in 30 AD, he said this, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. And he's just described the destruction of Jerusalem. He's just described the temple being taken apart brick by brick. And Jesus says, within 40 years, that's a biblical generation, everyone will see this. And it literally happened in 70 AD, exactly 40 years from when Jesus had said it would happen. That's what Daniel saw as well. Amazing. So now we read this passage in Daniel, and Daniel shows us how to read God's word, especially the prophetic part. So don't go looking for a cloudy day in Jerusalem. Look at what the Bible means when it says God on the clouds, and that kind of thing. You see, there's Daniel. He doesn't know what the future holds, and Gabriel shows him, and he. He sees his future way beyond his life. Mind you, this was to take place over the next few hundred years. And God says, this is far into the future. A few hundred years. And here's the amazing thing. I guarantee you, if you take God's word and you read it, you'll see your future in here. Because you will come to those passages that Jesus described about your future. Jesus said things like this. We will all stand before God. And give an account of our life. Matthew chapter 12 verse 36. That's your future. Revelation chapter 20 says. And then the books will be opened. And all the dead. Small and great. Significant. Insignificant. Will stand before God. That's your future. That's where you're headed. Here's the question. Because while the Bible reveals. What every one of our futures looks like. It tells us how to prepare for it. And this is what I want you to get. Your circumstances may never change, but your situation can. Your situation might be one of confusion, one of worry, one of anxiety attacks, one where you're overwhelmed, one where 
you, you have trouble sleeping. You have to medicate yourself to be calm. That's, that might be your situation now. But your situation can change, even though your circumstances don't. Where you know where you're going. Your fu- this is my future, and this is what Jesus said I have to do to get there. So here's my question for you. I told you, believer, church, I told you, I hope that I've given you some wow moments. I hope that you've gone, wow, that's amazing. Five, 537 BC, and Daniel's being shown not only about Jesus, but when he would come, the precise year he would come, how long he would minister for, and what would happen to the city of Jerusalem 560-odd years before it happened. That is amazing. What else is in here? (laughs) And I hope that you will make a commitment from this place that I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to start my day with it, end my day with it. I'm going to read it every day. I'm going to let it nourish my soul. Here's the question. Have you softened your heart? Have you softened your heart toward God and asked him for his forgiveness? See, I think there are many people who are living their lives assuming that their future is, well, I don't know what's ahead. I don't know what's beyond the grave. But if I die, I'm sure God will kind of let me in anyway. What if you softened your heart and said, God, am I right with you? What do I have to do to have peace with you? Daniel took heed of the word of God from the prophets and responded accordingly. God's word still reveals our ultimate future and how we are to prepare for it. More from Dr. Corbett next week with Daniel's Reverie. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Daniel's Repentance, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr. Corbett is the pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.